Well, good morning. We're so glad that you are with us. Again, if this is your first time, we just really want to extend a special welcome. And we see a few visitors that were with us last week that have come back. We're so glad that you're joining us. Um, we are in the middle of a series here at Homestead um, called The Shelter of Your Wing. And we are taking a few weeks to talk about something that maybe seems odd to talk about in church, but we are talking about depression and anxiety, and mental illness. And the reason that we take the time as a church to talk about these things is because there are things that we have dealt with in our life and in our family. And we know that many of you have dealt with these things in your life, maybe in your own personal experience, or maybe in your family, or someone you work with, someone that you know and love has struggled with some of these issues. And we believe that God is the God that can help us navigate all of these things. We don't compartmentalize our life. Um, when we have things, when we have struggles, we know the best thing to do is to run to Jesus and ask for his wisdom. And the Bible talks a lot about um, how how to come out of these seasons. And so we're taking the time over the next few weeks to address some of these things. Um, we recognize that sometimes people think that they're really alone. Um, they're afraid to talk about it or it's something that feels shameful. And we want to just continue to shine a light on it, continue to talk about it so that you know you're not alone and that, that uh, there is hope for you in Jesus. So having said that, maybe you know somebody who has gone through this struggle, maybe has gone through something in their own home or in their own family. Well, we want you to invite them over the next few weeks. We have postcards out there if you want to just take one. Um, for a coworker or a neighbor or a friend, we encourage you to do that because this is something that, you know, when people are hurting, it, it means a lot when somebody reaches out to them. So we want to encourage you to invite them to come, and then all of the messages are online, too, if you want to share with, with people that way. So I'm going to just pray, and then we're going to get started. Lord, I thank you so much that you are good and kind and loving, and that you know everything about us. And I pray that today, as we talk about this idea of what's going on in our hearts, Lord, I just pray that you would let your Holy Spirit come we have invited you here. We know that you do a good work of healing in each one of our lives. And so we invite your presence. We just pray that your spirit would come into this place right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week we talked about uh, this journey uh, with depression, anxiety, and mental illness. And we talked about a few things. And one of the things that we really talked about was the fact that mental illness is something that is multifaceted in its causes, which means it will be multifaceted in its treatment. It's not just like when you stub your toe and all you gotta think about is your toe and the doctor can put a splint on it and all of a sudden your toe is fine. There are a lot of different reasons that people can struggle with mental illness. There are a lot of different components that can come into this journey for people. And the first thing that we talked about last week is that there is a physical component to this. There is a physical part of this. There are chemicals in our brain that make us happy. There's serotonin and other kind of chemicals. And sometimes the chemicals in our brain can get out of whack. And we can find that there's an actual physical medical thing going on. And it's really, really important that we start with that today. Because I think a lot of times people forget to maybe look at what's going on in their bodies when they're feeling down and discouraged. And they keep thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And they don't think, I wonder if there's something physically going on. It can be related to many people who struggle with depression find that their thyroid was all whacked out. Or they had something going on um, just in their hormones and all kinds of stuff. And so it's important that we start that there are physical things that can go on. If you have a history in your family of mental illness, it could be that your brain chemicals can just get a little out of whack. And so it's important to look that sometimes 
there's a physical reason as to why maybe you're struggling with some of these things. These chemicals can also become depleted because of exhaustion and stress and burnout, all different kinds of things. I remember, you know, when my kids were little and I'm like, I have not slept through the night in about five months. No wonder I feel horrible. And recognizing that my body just couldn't keep up with producing all that good stuff when I was going on no sleep or working so hard and not getting any rest or dealing with stress. And so those things can all factor in and because there can be physical reasons, we need to look at how we can physically address those things. So it might be you need some rest. Some of you might need to just take a nap. <laughs> some of you might just, your body just needs a little bit of kindness to it. You've been going hard and you're not taking time to rest. That can really be an important thing. Maybe it's getting some exercise. Exercise produces all those good chemicals in your brain. Maybe it's eating healthy. Maybe it's vitamins. Maybe it is sun. We, um, we have a lamp at our house, you know, because we live in Minnesota and we have the like, it's dark now. And so do you wake up and you're like, oh man. And so we have one of those lamps that we borrowed from my brother-in-law, and it's, it's called a sad lamp, which is kind of a horrible name for it. But you can, you can shine it on you, and it's supposed to simulate, like, actual sunlight and vitamin D. And we have used that in our house. Jeff used to go and bring it into the kids' room in the morning and slowly turn it up every five minutes, like trying to simulate sunrise when they have to get up for school, at, you know, before the sun is even anywhere around. So maybe it's something like that. Check out all of those things. Again, it doesn't hurt to look at all those different things. You might find that something really helps you for that. And we want to be really clear in how we say this here at Homestead. It is okay if you need to go to a doctor and get some kind of medication to help you. I know that some people feel really bad about that and they wonder, is that okay? Would God be okay with that? You know what? God made really smart people. And there was a time when there weren't medications available and people suffered and suffered and suffered. And we believe that God uses science and smart people to create things. And there is no shame in going and talking to a doctor. If you need to get some medication, we want to encourage you to do that. Reach out. Be brave. Don't be a victim. Go and do it. And it will make all the difference in the world. So we want to be really clear on that. Because we're going to talk about other components. But it's really important that we look at all of the facets of depression. And so for some of you, that might need to be something that you look into doing. So me mental illness has a physical side to it, but it also has a spiritual component. And we talked about that last week. We talk about that there is a spiritual side to this. We talked about that the Bible is very clear that we have an enemy who likes to attack us and come at us. And some of the things that we see people struggle with in mental illness are some of the things in Scripture it tells us that Satan loves to do. The first thing is he's an accuser. He's an accuser. In Job, he is called the accuser with a capital A. It's actually a name given to him. And it says in Job that he stands before God day and night accusing the brothers and the sisters. He accuses them. And so if there's a voice in your head that's constantly accusing you, you're not good enough. You can't do this. You're such a failure. Who do you think you are? That accusing voice very possibly could be an enemy of your soul who is just trying to tear you down. We know that that's one of the strategies he uses. And there's also fear. The Bible tells us that Satan is the author of fear. And he loves to try and get in there and whisper things to make us afraid. And there is a spiritual component when fear is reigning inside of you. And the last thing, he is a liar. 
He lies and tries to convince us that lies are the truth. And last week we talked about people who are struggling with depression. They can't see clearly. They don't have a clear self-image. You might have somebody who has a beautiful family around them, lots of friends, is very successful in their career. And if they are struggling with a mental illness, you would ask them about their life and they would say, nobody cares about me. I feel completely alone. I'm not good at anything. And you would look at them and go, you've got to be kidding me. Look at all that you have. But they can't see it. There's a deception that comes when you're struggling with mental illness. And they just cannot see it. And we know that the enemy is the deceiver. He comes and he tries to hide things and he distorts things so that the truth is not revealed. And so last week we talked about that there is a spiritual component. And yet there is a God who has promised to fight that enemy for us especially when you're feeling vulnerable and weak because, man, sometimes you can hear there's an enemy that's coming after you and you think, really? I can barely get out of bed. I can barely face the day. And now I got to somehow muster up the energy to fight? You know what? That's what this entire series is about because Psalm 91 tells us that there is a God who tucks us under his wing and pulls out his sword. He protects us while he fights off the enemy that is attacking you. And if you feel like you are under attack and yet you don't have the strength to fight, the good news is that there is a God who is fighting for you today. We talked about Psalm 91 last week, that this whole series is kind of based on it. And actually afterwards, someone came up to me and said, you know, my mom taught me that Psalm, nine, uh, Psalm 91 is the 911 psalm. <laughs> so she taught her that when she was a kid. When you're in trouble and you feel like things are bad, you go to the 911 psalm, Psalm 91. So I'm going to always remember that. Hopefully you will too. But the verse, one of the verses that I was thinking about this week, especially when it relates to this idea that God fights for us, is found in uh, Psalm 91, 14 through 16. It says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. There is a God who is fighting that spiritual battle for you. So there's a physical component, a spiritual component, and today I want to talk about the emotional component connected to mental illness because it isn't just physical pretty rare if it's just a physical thing for somebody or if it's just a spiritual thing. A lot of times it's a whole combination of things working together in our body, mind, soul, and spirit that are causing anxiety, depression, or mental illness. And there is an emotional component that we have to address. Um, First time I sat with a doctor and said, I think that I'm struggling postpartum. I really am having a hard time. He said, okay, I can get you a prescription, but that is not enough. You need to go talk to somebody. What are you doing spiritually? What are you doing emotionally? What's going on relationally in your life? And any really good doctor isn't just going to say, here's a prescription. They're going to say, what else is going on? Because all of these factors come into play together. And just addressing the physical side without looking at the emotional side, you're going to leave yourself wanting because there's something going on inside of us emotionally when we're struggling. There's something that's hurting. Last week we talked about all the things in life that come at us, and sometimes we just don't deal with it. Sometimes we stuff it down. We don't address what's happening, and pretty soon it starts coming out sideways. Pretty soon it starts coming out in anger. Pretty soon it starts coming out in an addiction. Pretty soon it comes out in just, you just, in anxiety, or you just feel sad and like there's a cloud hanging over you. 
Last week we talked about Dr. Townsend and Dr. Cloud in their book said you have to deal with your baggage when we talk about emotional um, stuff in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because Jesus has promised to be with us and to bring healing to us, body, soul, and spirit. That is a promise that we have. That Jesus has promised to be close to us when there's something going on inside of us. But the truth is that for most of us, healing, when, God, when we talk about that Jesus heals us, it doesn't come in just an instantaneous moment. Now, God is able to heal like that. God is able to just take anything away. He can. And I pray that for you, if you are struggling with anxiety, that God could come in a second and take it away and you never, ever deal with it again. That is absolutely possible. But the truth is, a lot of times, God doesn't heal us of mental illness like that. He takes us through a process. I know of um, those times are probably the minority when it's just instantly. The majority of times, Jesus takes us on a process of healing. It's really interesting. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists a whole bunch of gifts of people, spiritual gifts of what people have in the church. And he lists a whole bunch of things. And I never thought about this before. He lists the gifts of healing and he lists a gift of miracles. Now, I always kind of thought of those two as the same thing. But why did he put them in there separately? And it's interesting, if you look at the Greek, the miracle gift is dunamis. It's this explosive power that something just comes. It's this power, and it comes, and it heals instantaneously. It takes something that was there, and it removes it, never to come back again. But the gift of healing is a different word in the Greek. It's the word ayama, and it means a curing. It means a curing or a remedy. So when I've watched people I love struggle with anxiety and depression, I have begged God for a dunamis miracle. Just take it away right now, Jesus. Just take it away. Let it just be gone. Let it be gone and never come back again. And instead, for most of the people that I love, instead of a dunamis miracle, God has given us an ayama curing. And he's taken us through time of healing and counseling and prayer and study and reflection, and it's taken some time and a lot of hard work. And that is, I think, sometimes where we can get discouraged and disappointed, but a lot of times Jesus takes us on a process of healing. Now, why does he do that? Why does he do that? The truth is that many times our chains are connected to pain. And until we deal with the pain, we'll continue to find ourselves bound. And so it's simply just, instead of just saying, God, just take away these chains. Just take this away. I don't want to have a panic attack ever again. Just take that away. Jesus says, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take, take that away. But you know why you're having that? Because of this over here that's going on in your heart. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to heal this. I'm going to heal your heart. I'm going to go to the source of it. I'm going to heal that. And when you let me heal that, all these things are going to go away. But a lot of us, you know what we want? We want symptom removal freedom. We just want the symptoms to go away. I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want to be scared anymore. I don't want to be anxious anymore. I just want that all to go away. And it's like when you have um, an infection and you, ha you want to take a cold pill to make it go away when you really need an antibiotic. 
I just, want all, I just want to stop sneezing. I just want it to go away. And yet there's something that is wrong inside and you need to get to the source and heal it. Or like my daughter who accidentally spilled something in the back of her car. I feel like it was chocolate milk or something. And so she kept going, Mom, my car smells funny. And I kept saying, well, what's going on? I don't know. So I just bought air freshener. I just bought air freshener. I have a little, I have one hanging here. I plugged one into the thing. And finally I got in there and went, well, there's a stain of chocolate milk that's never going to stop smelling until we clean this up. Oh, that's what that was. You can try all the air freshener you want, but if there's a mess in there, you got to get in and you got to clean up the mess, right? Some of you with teenage boys and stinky rooms know exactly what I'm talking about. All the air freshener in the world is not going to take care of a stinky shoe situation. You have to go to the source of it. And a lot of times, we want that outward thing that we're dealing with to go away. We want the anxiety to go away. We want the depression to go away, the sadness to go away. And so we just say, take that away. And we want the symptoms to be removed. But God doesn't do symptom removal. He does healing. And that's a difference. He goes to the root of the problem. He goes to the core of the issue. He goes to the thing inside of us. He goes to the heart of the matter. And once he deals with that, then the symptoms go away. Jesus is a really good healer. He doesn't just slap a Band-Aid on something. He heals it. Um, 16 years ago when my son was born, I had an emergency C-section. He came early. Everything was totally chaotic and crazy. And I had an emergency C-section. And a couple, uh, few days after he was born, I went to the doctor. And they said, there's a problem with your incision. You have an infection in your incision. And I thought, well, great, awesome. What else do I need? And so they said, so what we're going to do... So we're going to open that thing up, and we're going to clean it out. And then we're going to leave it open. And I remember thinking, you might be the worst doctor ever. <laughs> that seems like the worst idea. I've, and I kind of said, oh, that's, that's not a good idea. I think you should just sew that thing right back up, slap some Neosporin on it. I think it'll be just fine. And the doctor said, no, Christy, you, we can't sew it back up when there's infection in it. What we have to do now is we have to leave it open and we have to keep it clean and you got to come in every day and redress it and then we have to put medication and we got to give you an antibiotic and we got to keep it clean and then we're going to let it heal from the inside out. And I remember thinking, this is the worst thing ever. Jeff and I still say it was the worst part of our marriage because you had to help me take care of that horrible thing. And you know what? The truth is, it took a long time to heal. And it took a lot more effort to heal that thing. I had to watch it. I had to go to the doctor all the time. I had to address it. I felt like it was like this, my full-time job was just taking care of my wound care for, you know, however long it took. But you know what? Once it healed, it never bothered me again. And yet sometimes some of us were like, oh, man, just stitch me up. Just get rid of this. Just stitch it up. I don't want to think about it. And everything in you is coming out sideways coming out sideways. Maybe you've stepped into an addiction of some sort, and you're thinking, God, just take this away. I just want to stop drinking. I want to stop doing drugs. I want to stop looking at what I'm looking at online. And yet you just want that to go away. And yet inside, you've got stuff going on, and you're just trying to numb the pain. And you just want to slap a Band-Aid on it and not think about it. And Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to find freedom when you get healing for what is going on inside of you. I don't just take away the symptoms. I go in and I heal the pain. Some of the best advice I ever really got was to be curious about my emotions and my behavior. 
when you find yourself doing something, when I'm just irritated with my kids and everything they do just is like nails on the chalkboard and I'm irritated and everything everybody says, I start freaking out. I just learn to get curious. Why am I doing that? What is the problem? What am I upset about? Get curious about my reactions. What am I, what am I feeling right now? When, when anxiety hits you, stop and say, okay, what's happening right now? What am I afraid of? What is, what is at the root of that? Where is that coming from? If you keep tripping up in an area, stop and say, well, what am I trying to avoid here? What am, I, what, am I, what am I feeling? Get curious about what you're feeling. If you go to prayer counseling ministry, which is a really awesome ministry that a lot of churches offer, they will teach you this. Every bad fruit in your life is connected to a bad root. Right? Just like a seed goes in the ground and it comes out. Every bad fruit in our lives comes from a bad root. The things that we're seeing on the surface are simply the outgrowth of the deeper things going on in the heart. So the things that you're seeing on the surface, they're connected to something deeper, something that's going on inside of you. And Proverbs makes it really clear to us in chapter 4. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life, that we're supposed to watch over what those roots are. We're supposed to watch over our hearts. We're supposed to look at them and be diligent because whatever's going on in your heart eventually is going to come out. You might think that it'll just go away or that you don't have to think about it, but what's going on in your heart will eventually come out into the surface. And so it says, be diligent. Watch over the state of your heart. What's going on in there? What's going on in your heart, in your relationships? I was reading a book this week, which was, um, just kind of talking about learning to listen to God. And she was talking about how incredibly important it is to take the time to nurture your view of God. That's why I love Jeff's series that we did last, uh, last month on the skeptic and the believer. Those little places where doubt has crept in are, God, maybe you aren't good. Uh, she was talking about somebody that was talking about a difficult situation. And she said, okay, let me ask. She said, I asked my friend, where is God in this situation? And she looked at her, kind of surprised, and said, God is nowhere in this situation. And she said, well, no, we know that's not true. Because Hebrews tells us that God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Well, what was happening inside of her is something felt really real. And she felt like God had failed her and abandoned her. And it was just eating her up inside. And she needed to reconcile that with the truth. So sometimes we just have to watch over those little things that creep in, those little things in our heart that can come and bring hurt and pain, and we don't even know that they're there. And so I believe that part of what God wants to do in setting us free is to allow him to do that deep work of healing in our hearts. And I want to leave you with a scripture today. I'm not leaving you with it. I'm going to start with it. First, It's good. You're fine. We still have time. First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says this, and I like it in the message version. It says, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, Make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you, he's completely dependable. And if he said it, he will do it. I love that. Make the God who makes everything holy and whole will make you holy and whole. Body, spirit, and soul. Because for a lot of us, there are places that are broken. There are things inside of us. There are a lot of reasons that things are broken. But the reality is that some things are just broken in us, and we need somebody to put us back together. And Jesus makes us holy and whole.
put together, spirit, soul, and body, wherever the cracks are, he knows how to bring it all back together and make you completely whole. He takes all those pieces and he mends them and heals them. I love Psalm 23. It's just become one of my mantras that I read almost every day. And I love verse 3 in that chapter. Starting in 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. But verse 3 says, He restores my soul. So if your soul is broken, God restores it. He comes in makes it holy and whole and put back together. So let me ask you this. What needs restoring in your soul? What needs healing in your heart? Where do you need Jesus to come and speak truth to lies that have felt so real to you? Where is your pain? What is hurting? I believe the Holy Spirit is really good at showing us the place that needs healing. You know, sometimes in my life, he's revealed it through his word. I've read something in scriptures, and I'll, whoa, that, I think that applies to me, and the Holy Spirit will speak to me. Sometimes he just whispers something to my heart. This is what this is. Sometimes it's just me in a journal, and I've just been writing, and all of a sudden, things will start to emerge of things that maybe I'm processing, a broken relationship that's hurting me, or something that's happened that's hurting me, or something I believed about God, a disappointment that I have in someone else, or in God, or whatever's going on. Sometimes that's the process that God, as I seek him and ask him to reveal it to me, sometimes that's how he shows me the places in my heart that need attention. Sometimes he uses other people to hold up a mirror to us and say, hey, this thing in you is hurting you. And that might be a counselor or someone you trust that they go, you know what, this behavior that you keep doing, this is hurting you. I can see that you're in pain. I can see that you're not okay. I think it has to do with this. Sometimes other people can help us navigate that. That's why counseling is so great because there are people who are really smart and can really help you to get to the core of where some things are. Sometimes there's buried in there so deep and you don't even know how to get to it. There are people that have this gift of healing in 1 Corinthians 12 that they can help you find a remedy. So sometimes other people can help you. And you know what? Sometimes there are people who love you in your life that will look at you and say, this thing in you is hurting me. This thing in you is hurting me. It's affecting me. It's affecting our kids. It's affecting your job. You have to get healing for this thing. And sometimes that's the wake-up call that you need to go, you know what? My people are worth fighting for. My family's worth fighting for. I'm worth fighting for. And so sometimes God will use all these different things to point something in your heart and says, okay, let's stop just sticking a Band-Aid on this thing. Let's get in there. Let's clean it up. And let's get it healed once and for all. For many of us, sometimes we try and just ignore emotional pain. We pack it down. We stack everything on top of it. And yet, all of a sudden, something, somebody says something or somebody does something, and you're like, whack, smacks you upside the head, and you find yourself flat on the ground, and you go, whoa, what was that? That's a really good indicator. Maybe that's an area that needs to be addressed. Maybe it's something, maybe you see an article, and you're like, man, I cannot shake that thing. Or it, when I hear about a story about that happening or something like that, maybe there's just something inside of you that just is kind of a little trigger. That's a place to go looking. So what are you trying to numb? What is hurting? All of those things. Jesus is a good healer. And whatever those things are, he can help you. 
You know, sometimes I'm learning that there are things that I have to walk out in the progression of my healing. Again, it would be nice if it was just dunamis, like, boom, and it's gone. But a lot of times in my life, there's been a part I've had to play. I've had to trust God with some things. I've had to take some steps. I've had to do the hard work. I've had to dig in the dirt and figure out what some of the mess is. I've had to participate. And for some of you today, you have to get involved. You're going to need to start participating in this. But the first and best thing you can do is just come to Jesus and say, can you help me figure out where this is coming from? I have found him to be the best. He's so kind and he's so gentle in the way that he shows things, the way he reveals things to me. Even if it's really hard to hear, I tend to go, yeah, but you know me. And you know where this is coming from and you know the best way for me to get through this, Lord. And so today we're just going to close by asking Jesus to come and examine our hearts. Because that's what Proverbs tells us to do, to, guard, to watch over our hearts with all diligence. And God knows what's going on in your heart. Jesus knows what's going on in there. He knows whether it's something in your past that's causing you to struggle now. He knows if it's something right now in your present. He knows that maybe it's a fear that you picked up along the way and you didn't even realize you picked it up. And God knows how to help you. I shared that a couple years ago, one of our children really struggled with depression. And we kind of got her through that. And on the inside of that, all of a sudden, I started struggling with anxiety, which I had never struggled with before in my life. But watching my child suffer had got me to a place on the other side where I felt like, I don't know if my kids are safe. And this little nugget jumped into my heart and I would be walking through a store and all of a sudden I would just have this feeling and this shaking of like, are they okay? They're at school. They're not here. Can I see them? Are they okay? Are my kids safe? And I remember thinking, what is that? And it was the smallest little thing. I mean, I thought, we made it through. I mean, we made it through. She's okay now. And then, But it was my reaction to watching somebody I love go through a struggle caused all of a sudden something in me that then I had to address. And I had to stop and say, okay, Lord, what is going on in here? And there were some physical things. I was pretty exhausted and depleted, and I had to kind of talk to him. I got some herbal stuff from my chiropractor that kind of helped me with some of those things. I ended up doing that, but I ended up having to stop and saying, the truth is, Jesus, you have promised me you are with my kids when I'm not there and I had to talk myself through it and I had to use scripture and when it would start to come up I would say you are there you are with them they are belong to you not only do you protect me you protect them and I had to work myself through it and probably three or four months later that anxiety began to dissipate as I continued to just address it but I had to go to where the source was like where in the world is this coming from oh I have this thing that we went through and this is my residual stuff that's coming out of it. And so we all go through stuff. And I was thinking about this, like, where do we sit and kind of process all the things that we've been going through as people, right? There's a lot of times that we don't even stop enough in our lives to actually stop and go, what is going on? What have we come through in the last year? How did, have I responded to that? Taking time to look through and go, man, that was a tough season. Man, Walked through that with my parents. That was really hard. Walked through that with a sibling. Man, they're struggling. That was hard. How is all that affecting us? We have to be diligent with our hearts and bring it all before Jesus. And so as we close today, Jeff's going to come. And I just want us to take a few minutes and just ask the Lord to show us what's going on in our hearts. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The truth is that Jesus knows what's going on in our hearts. I want to read 
Psalm 139, a few verses from there as we go into a prayer time. Psalm 139, 1 through 6 says, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down, you know when I stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel. You see me when I rest at home. You know everything I do. And you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. And further on in the chapter, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Jesus, I thank you that you know us. You know everything about us. You see our hearts. You've been there through every struggle. Every little seed that was planted, Lord, you saw it. And so, Lord, there are those today that are feeling so weary from the fight. They've been dealing with with pain, and they may not even have been able to identify it as pain. It's coming out sideways. It's coming out as frustration or anxiety or anger. And at the heart of it, Lord, there's just there's a little crack. There's just a little crack that something got broken. But I thank you that you are the God who has promised to make everything holy and whole. Body, mind, soul, and spirit. And I pray that today, Lord, you would begin the work of healing like only you can do. That you would go to every crack and you would begin to fill it with your love. You would begin to cover it with your blood that brings comfort and healing and restoration. Let's just listen for a minute. Let the Lord speak to your heart. Lord, I pray that today would be the beginning of healing in people's hearts and minds. I thank you that you are such a gentle healer, that you are the God who sees and knows every crack. And I pray that today you would begin to take every person on a process of healing. Lord, that you would begin to help them sift through some of the rubble. They would begin sifting through some of the things that are clamoring for attention right now. 
and that you would bring total and complete healing. I pray you give them wisdom as to what that means. Lord, if someone today needs to go seek a counselor, I pray that today would be the day that they would grab your hand, be brave, and go do that. Lord, if, if they need to talk to somebody, if they need to forgive somebody, if they need to spend some time just listening to you, if they need to dig into the word, if they need to go and buy a book on that subject, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would begin participating in that healing. I thank you that your word promises that when we don't know what to do next, that you give us wisdom and you show us the right path. So I pray you would open every door for people to go to the right counselor, to find the right resource, to talk to the right person who has that experience. But mostly I pray that today you would do what only you do, bring healing, bring comfort, bring hope, and make us completely whole in you. Thank you for loving us so well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.